pastor back. May have to get him to fill out a visitor's card, right, when he comes back. I know there's been a lot of people at uh, Redeemer who's obviously uh, filled the shoes and filled in and, and probably have stepped up in many ways. And let me encourage you as a brother in Christ uh, in the weeks ahead and to reach out to them and definitely appreciate them and thank them for um, filling in all the different places uh, for Carlos as he's been gone. Proverbs chapter 3, if you have a copy of God's Word, let's dig in. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1 and concluding in verse number 12. And let me read this passage for you this morning in your hearing. And if you're able, let me encourage you to stand. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 and concluding in verse number 12. This is God's Word. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes and fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and it will be refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Dear Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for its application to our life. We're thankful that you speak to us in clear terms that we can understand. And Father, we ask that as we come to this this morning, we ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would change us and that you would conform us to the glorious image of your marvelous Son. And we ask these things in the strong name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Proverbs, it is a book of wisdom. Wisdom is that God created his universe with a certain order, a certain function, a certain operation. As you think about what is wisdom, wisdom views life through these realities. That God creates his universe and he creates his universe perfectly. Man is in perfect harmony with each other and man is in perfect harmony with God. The Bible tells us then that sin comes into the picture and it distorts that harmony. Man does not relate now to God in the way in which he should and man does not relate to each other in the way that he should. And the result is that God has now cursed his universe. There's a certain curse, there's a certain disorder to God's universe. But the Bible tells us that by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that God will one day restore everything back to its rightful condition. As we come to the book of Proverbs and we come to wisdom literature specifically, wisdom is the ability to still understand God's universe. That even though we live in a cursed universe, and even though we live in a chaotic universe, there is still a certain order to it. There's still a certain rhythm to it. There's still a certain function to it. There's still a certain way that things work. And wisdom is the ability to perceive those things. Wisdom is the ability to see those things and to understand how God's universe properly works. 
If you think about wisdom specifically in the, the context of wisdom literature, uh, Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes, each of these books give you a, a, a different snapshot of this wisdom, this order, this function. Proverbs tells us how life usually works. Um, Proverbs tells us how things in God's universe usually work. Um, that, that even though that there is sin, and even though that there has been a curse, that God is not completely withdrawn from His creation, and there's a certain way in which things work. I, I call Proverbs an odds book. That if you do this, there's a high odds that this will usually happen. It's a cause and effect book. Proverbs tells us that if you do this action, this consequence will usually happen in God's universe. If you're lazy, there's a good chance you're going to be poor. That's Proverbs. It's simple. It's straightforward. Not very difficult to understand. If you commit sexual sin, life is not going to be very fun. That's Proverbs. It's cause and effect. If you don't have a lot of self-discipline, there's going to be consequences. If you hang around stupid people, you're going to do stupid things, right? That's Proverbs. It's cause and effect. If you read the book of Proverbs and you say this isn't rocket science, it's probably because you have some degree of wisdom yourself. Proverbs understands life very simply. Almost the way that a child would understand. It tells you how things usually work in God's universe. It's written to young men. And let me encourage you all young men to read the book of Proverbs with diligence. But there's a problem with Proverbs. The, the problem is Proverbs is that a person could only read Proverbs and they, became, they could become to be very rigid in their thinking. You see, the book of Job, the book of Job gives us another lens to the book of Proverbs. The book of Job tells us that even though that there's a cause and an effect in God's universe, there is also a great mystery to God's universe. We do not understand everything completely. And everything in God's universe is not simply cause and effect. Because you know the book of Job, you could look at the book of Job, and Job had all of these horrible things happen to him. He lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. And he went through great physical pain. And if you looked at Job just through the lenses of Proverbs, you would simply say, Job, what in the world did you do? Job, who did you tick off? You see, Job's friends had a kind of a proverbial view of life. They were simply in Proverbs. They simply said, everything is cause and effect. And Job, you got some skeleton somewhere, and as soon as you get that out, everything in life is going to be okay. But the book of Job tells us that everything is not simple in God's universe. There is something greater going on that is often mysterious to us and we will never know it and we will never completely understand it. And as Christians, as believers, in our wisdom, there isn't a cause and effect to God's universe. But be very careful that you view everybody through the lenses of the book of Proverbs. That everybody in the community of the, the body of Christ, that you simply say, you're going through bad things, you must have done something really bad. Because there may be something that's going on behind the scenes that you have no idea whatsoever. And the book of Job balances the book of Proverbs. 
But on the other side, you know, the book of Job, there's, there, there's also a balance that has to be done with the book of Job. Because if you could read the book of Job, you may read the book of Job and say, listen, in God's universe, bad things will happen to people who are faithful. But in the end, in the end, everybody gets what they want. <laughs> and there's a problem there. Because that's not the way God's universe works. Everything doesn't always happen beautifully on this side of glorification. We don't all just ride off into the sunset and everything is hunky-dory. You know, sometimes, you know, Christians will make a Christian movie. And I'm not against Christian movies as long as the acting is not really hokey and bad. But Christians will make a movie oftentimes. As you look at that movie and you kind of look at the storyline, I'll just pick something out of thin air. Maybe you have a woman and she's barren and she wants to have children and she doesn't know why she has children. And then she embraces Christ and she's saved. And then all of a sudden she has a child and she's with the child. And you can almost watch that movie and think, man, okay, I embrace Christ and, and at the end, I'm going to get everything that I've ever wanted. But that's not often the Christian life. The Christian life is not always the book of Job. The, the, the Christian life is sometimes we get a disease and we die. The Christian life is sometimes we lose our business and we don't get it back. The Christian life is that sometimes we have a relationship that fails and it is never restored. You know, maybe in a sense, a, a better movie line or theme would be a woman is barren, then she embraces Christ. And maybe she's still barren, but God grants her contentment to deal with that barrenness. And you see, the book of Job, it would be challenging to view everything through the book of Job. You, you would maybe be setting yourself up for failure to think that, that everything works out in the end. Because one thing I'm sure of is that believers and unbelievers have the same difficulties. We have the same challenges. The only thing that sets us apart is one of us has hope in the gospel and one of us doesn't. But we both have marriage problems. We both have difficulties raising children. We both have challenges of being up all night with a baby and then going to work. There's no difference. But we have the gospel. The book of Ecclesiastes, I think, gives us another lens to the book of, of wisdom. And Ecclesiastes is just pretty much saying, there's just things I don't will ever figure out. I, there's just whys that I'll never have answered. And I look at life sometimes and I'm like, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know and I don't think I'll ever know. But this is the one thing I know. At the end of the day, I'm going to fear God and keep His commandments. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plod along and do that. Duty before emotions, right? That's what book of Ecclesiastes says. Book of Ecclesiastes says, listen, I'm sure there's some things that are cause and effect, and I'm sure there's some things that are mysterious, and there are some things that I'm never going to figure out. But one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to fear God, and I'm going to keep His commandments. That's one thing that I can get my arms around. You see, wisdom, it tells us how things usually work. Now, to go back to the book of Proverbs, this section this morning is a section that I've always enjoyed and I've loved and it in some, wise, in some ways summarizes what wisdom is and it gives us just different snapshots different understanding of how God's universe 
operates. It's written in a wisdom format. It is cause and effect. It gives you a command and then it gives you a consequence. There's no Hebrew or nothing really heady that you need to know. You can read it and immediately be sanctified or rebuked. It is command and it is consequence. Beginning in verse 1, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. You know the first nine chapters are written in a father-son context. The father says to the son, Son, if you want to have wisdom in my universe, keep my teaching. The Bible is a repetitive book. The Bible has themes that it continually tells us over and over again. And the Bible says that one of our chief sins is that we forget things. An old lady came up to Luther one day and she said to Luther, she says, Pastor Luther, she says, all of your sermons seem to be the same. You say the same thing over and over again. Why is that? And he says, because you forgot what I told you last Sunday. And I have to tell you it again. That is really the theme of the Bible. The theme of the Bible is to to remind us themes over and over again. Our mind has been distorted by the fall. Our minds are prone to remember things that we should not remember. Our minds are prone to remember all that the all wrong that has ever been done to us and never right that has ever been done to us. We forget righteousness and we remember unrighteousness with clear precision. And he says, if you want to be a wise person, remember my teaching. And he says specifically, put it in your heart. Keep my heart in your commandments. The, the idea there of keep is that you, you, the idea is not only that you obey it, but you keep it with all vigilance in your heart. It is, it is part of you. There is a type of person that they have the gospel in their mind, but they never get it in their heart. And they're prone to continuous foolishness. They're, they're prone to walk the way of folly he says, if you're going to walk with me, you must desire my, my law and my, my word in your innermost being. And you are to pursue it. Here's the consequence, verse 2. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Proverbs says, listen, if you follow hard after the gospel and you follow hard after wisdom that your life generally will be marked by peace and not constant turmoil. And generally speaking, you will have long life. You know, the world will often say that the good die young. But oftentimes you look and you see that the foolish die young. Oftentimes you will see some that someone dies in their youth because they have made foolish and dumb decisions. The Bible says that generally speaking, odds, that if you pursue wisdom, you will live long. If you pursue wisdom, you will live a life of peace. Verse 3, And let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. 
but bind them around your neck. It's a, it's a picture that this is a part of you. You're pursuing it. And write them on the tablet of your heart. It's, it's in your inwardmost being. He says, a wise person's life will be marked by steadfastness and faithfulness. It are the two chief qualities of God. We just read about them in our uh, comparison passage or companion passage. The gospel tells us that, that God demonstrates two qualities in the person and work of Christ. He is, he is consistent. He is always the same. Uh, there, there is a continuousness of God. He, he does not change. He is steadfast. Every time that you go to Him, you know what you are going to get. He's faithful. He is committed he says that we as believers, we are to mirror those two attributes as we reflect the image of Christ. And he says that the outcome of that is that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. One thing that we all want is that we want favor from God and man. We want to live under the benediction of God. We want to live under the smile of God as Lloyd-Jones put it we want to live under the blessing of God we want to look at our life and see that we have been blessed God tells us in our word here is word here if you want to find blessing from both God and man be steadfast be faithful be always the same you, you know oftentimes Christians they will say you know what I've not found favor with my boss I've not found favor with the people in my situation. And the reason that I've not found favor is because I'm a good Christian and they just don't like me. Um, and maybe that's the case. That, that could be the case. But maybe on the other hand, maybe the reason you haven't found favor is not because you're a good Christian, but because you're a bad Christian. The Bible gives us two examples of individuals that were placed in very challenging situations. Joseph and Daniel, both placed in pagan cultures. Both placed in environments that were completely against them 100%. But the Bible tells us that both of those individuals were granted wisdom in order to navigate through them. And both of those individuals experienced a degree of favor from unrighteous individuals. The Bible tells us that, that it is possible to get wisdom and favor in God's universe when we live with wisdom it says that we were faithful we're steadfast we're committed we know what we are and then he says this these two anchor verses these two verses that you are quite familiar with he says trust in the lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and in all of your ways acknowledge him he will make straight your path he says trust he says in all your ways acknowledge him and we are built to want to depend on something all of us this morning are trusting in something we're leaning on something but the writer of proverbs says that the wise person is trusting in god now what does it mean to not trust in god it means to not lean on your own understandings. To not lean on our own understandings is that we are becoming people that the Bible 
is regularly overruling our thinking. That's what it means to not lean on your own understandings. To lean on your own understanding is not that your emotions and your experiences are what is dictating everything that you do. But the Bible is constantly dictating your thoughts. You know, the fool is the person who is, who is constantly living in, in the past. He, he's, he's constantly living in, in what could happen. I just recently had to, to work with an individual. And every time that I, I would come to that individual and we were talking about making a decision, we would always talk about what could happen if this could happen, you know, everything's really good right now, but in three seconds, things could get really bad. That type of person. And it was psychologically exhausting, to be honest with you. That's not a person who is wise. A, a person who is wise is not a person who is constantly making decisions in what could happen. Not constantly making decisions of what, is, what could happen or the possibilities, but they're letting God's word overrule their thinking that they want to acknowledge God in, in everything now there is often the, the problem is is that oftentimes we can lean on our own understanding and we can for a period of time get good results and that's the problem with it you know when Moses when he when he hit that rock instead of obeying God he did get water right that there was some immediate consequences to him that said, you know what, maybe I didn't do it the right way, but there was some benefit to it. But the Bible says that in the end there was negative consequences. You see, wisdom, it understands that God's retribution is often put off for a period of time because God is gracious. We live in God's universe and we realize that we do not reap immediately we do not reap immediately. That when we sow something, we reap in the future. And that when we sow something, we reap more in the future. And that is the, the, the function and the order of cause and effect. The person, they, they honor God in all their own understanding. A, a wise person is not fragmented in their thinking. A mark of a mature person is not that they, they, they view one thing through the lenses of God's Word and then they have these other things that they do not view through the lenses of God's Word. We all have blind spots, right? If we knew those blind spots, we would change them. That's one of the beauties of marriage is that we get to live with someone who can see those blind spots for us, right? We, we have these blind spots. But a wise person is not fragmented in their thinking in all all their ways in everything that they do they want the word of God to to uh, be in that situation as Bunyan said when you cut them they'll bleed Bible everything is Bible they're constantly asking the question what does the Bible say about this that's a person who's wise this is a person who is walking with God they want God's word to dictate everything and what is the outcome he says in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths he said he will make your paths straight he will give you clear direction verse 7 do not be wise in your own eyes but fear the Lord and turn away from evil 
He says the mark of a foolish individual is that they're unteachable and they do not turn from evil. The mark of the foolish person is, is that you cannot instruct them. Proverbs talks a lot about a fool and a lot about a wise person. And one of the clear things that marks out the distinction between a wise person and a fool is, is that a fool will only learn something if he has the negative consequence to go with it. A wise person can learn something without the negative consequence. A, a, a fool is like, you know what? I've got to put my hand in that hot thing for me to know it's really going to burn me. The, the, the wise person, he, he knows where a action will lead without experiencing the negative consequence. You see, the wise person, he's, he's teachable. He's not only learned from his own experiences, but he's learned from the experiences of other. And one thing that regularly marks their life is that they are marked by teachability. They're, they're marked by a, by a life that is marked by repentance. And it says this in verse number 8. It says, It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The idea there is that there will be a, a holistic bodily benefit. Healing to your flesh. Physically beneficial to you. Refreshment to your bones. Beneficial to your body. You know in these two verses. The writer of Proverbs says. Is that there is an intimate connection. To what we do spiritually. To our physical bodies. There is an intimate connection. There is an intimate connection to what you and I do in our minds, what we think about, what we do in our psyche, what we do in our souls, to what happens in our bodies. Now there's several things I know and several things I don't know. The first things I don't know is I don't know how these things perfectly operate. It's a mystery. But I do know that they operate together. That if you are constantly sinning in your mind, it's going to have physical effects. It's going to have physical effects. If you constantly live in your mind in anxiety and worry and always living of not knowing what could happen or always living in, in the unknowns, it's going to have physical effects. Now, am I in any way saying that every time you have physical effects, it's because of your mind? I'm in no way saying that whatsoever. What am I saying? Is that often the case? Can that be the case? Absolutely. You, you know, I counsel people on a, a regular basis that are filled with all kind of anxiety and worry and all kind of things in their mind. And it is having physical effects in their life. It's having physical effects in their body. Do I perfectly understand how all that goes together? No, I don't. But I know it does go together. It goes together to a degree. And I would tell you and I would tell me as a Christian that the only thing that can perfectly heal us is the gospel. Does that mean that we'll never have any problems in our body? Absolutely not. But there could be that we're having issues in our body because we're having issues in our mind. And we're not pursuing wisdom. The, the Bible says that, that if you in all your ways acknowledge Him, it will bring healing to your flesh and it will bring refreshment to your bones. And he says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. He says, A wise person, he will honor the Lord with your wealth 
and he will honor the Lord with his first fruits of his produce. He says the wise person will, will manage his money well. Your first fruits. You know, God tells us that we're to bring our first fruits to God. I believe that the Bible still tells us to tithe. We're to bring our first fruits to God. We're to bring our first fruits to God on the first day of the week. There's a reason that God does that. There's a reason that we constantly live in that rhythm of life. The two things that are most valuable to us is our money and our time. Our money and our time, those are the things that we want. And God on the first day of the week, every time, He challenges us in those things. He says, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your first fruits? Will you trust me to give me, give me time on the first day of the week? Will you trust me on the first day of the week when you know good and well something this week is going to break? And it's going to be expensive. And you're going to need money. And as you're writing that tithe check, sometimes you say, man, God, I know that's going to go out. I've already beginning to hear that sound. And if I give that check, God, I don't know that I'm going to be able to fix that. God, if I just had a little bit more time in the week, I would be a rock star. I'm telling you right now, that, that two hours on Sunday... If I just had that, my life would be so much better. God says, will you trust me? God says, will you trust me with a portion of your income and will you trust me on the time at the first, at the beginning, with the best? You know, two marks of a mature, peop a mature person and a two marks of a person who is a wise person is that they're consistent in their giving and they're consistent with honoring the Lord's day. It's a mark of a wise person. You want to disciple someone, say start here. Go to church and tithe. It's a good place to start. Be at the house of God. I don't know how many times I talk to Christians that say I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ and I never go to church. Those are completely contrary thoughts. Completely contrary to the New Testament understanding of a Christian. They do not go together. If you're not enjoying this, trust me, you're not going to enjoy heaven. Because this is what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be a lot like church. I don't know what it's specifically going to be like. I know I'm not going to be up in front. Okay, that's going to be different. But we're going to be worshiping, right? It's going to be a lot similar to church. Honor God with these things. And he says this. He says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. God says that in his universe, he usually speaking blesses wisdom with some degree of abundance. He usually speaking blesses it. It doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that everybody is poor is because of their sin. And that doesn't mean that everyone who is rich is because of their righteousness. That's not what it means. But it means odds. That if you do these things, God does bring some degree of abundance. Oftentimes in our world today, people will say, you know, if you have abundance, that's a sin. The Bible never tells us to repent of abundance. It never tells us to repent of blessing. It just doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us that's a, a sin. But it does tell us that there's sins that go along with it. There are sins that go along with blessing. There is sin that goes along with abundance. And each person has a sin. The person who doesn't have abundance, they have a particular sin that they're prone to. They envy the person with abundance. They look at the person who has been blessed and they say, you know, you got that because of this and I don't have that. There's sin built in it. 
The person with envy, they have sin. The person with abundance, they have sin as well. They look at everybody and say, you know what? If you would have done this like me, then you would have had this. Sorry. They begin to not lean on God and they begin to not believe that they have that because God has blessed them with it. And they got it just because of their own strength. God says, listen, usually speaking, God brings blessing with wisdom. Verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father the son in whom he delights. I'd love to unpack those verses a lot more. But a person who is wise. A person who is wise. They understand challenges that come into your life. You know anytime that a challenge comes into our life. Anytime a trial comes into our life. Um. A Christian always wants to make sense of that. Why is this happening? God, is this because of my sin? Is this because of something I've done? And I don't necessarily think that's a a wrong question to ask. I don't think it's a wrong question to ask, is this for something I've done? But on the other hand, there is a type of person that can, can stay there and it's wrong. When my wife struggled with through cancer, my wife would stay up at night and she would regularly inspect her heart and say, God, why have you brought this into my life? And she would con- confess and she would repent until there was nothing left to confess and nothing left to repent. And I would come to her and I would say, sweetie, God is not mad at you. He could never be mad at you because of what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross. He loves you. He is concerned about you. And He loves you because of what Christ has done for you. Whatever is going on in your life is not because you are not a son. What is all that is going on in your life is because you are a son. The individual who walks with God, they have wisdom to understand this. They want to understand it. They know that God brings things into their life. And they know that the reason that He does that is because He wants to change them and conform them to the image of God's Son. As we finish, we realize that none of us have all the wisdom that we could. None of us, none of us have all the insight that we should have. If you're at a point right now and you say, you know what, I haven't changed in 50 years and there's nothing else for me to learn. That's the mark of a fool. That's not a mark of an individual who is walking after God. The mark of the individual who's walking after God is saying, God, There's so many things I still not understand. And God, I ask you that by the work of your spirit, that you would regularly instruct me and teach me and guide me in all wisdom. Father, we ask that you would work through your spirit, that you would change us, that you would conform us. Father, we ask that you would give us more and more wisdom, more and more ability to navigate through this universe and understand life and reality. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.